Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh, hey. Didn't see you there, World Cup. It started today, 11 a.m. What else was I going to watch? Certainly wasn't going to listen to any radio in this town. Flip it on. Russia, Saudi Arabia, entertaining football. Doesn't hurt anybody. Anybody who thinks the World Cup is lame, that's fine if you feel that way. Just shut the hell up about it. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, what a show we've got for you today. Chris Adamski at 420. He's weird. He's tall. Wears a funny hat. None of that relates to radio, aside from the weird part. Mark Caballi, equally as weird. At 5.20 today on the show. This is the greatest time of the year for sports radio, I think. I listen to the station across the street, and it's, should the Pirates be sellers? Should they tear it all down? Should they have torn it down this offseason? Oh, my God. Imagine if you were beholden to Pirates content. Imagine if you had to because you were the flagship station. Imagine if you had to talk about them and care about them and watch every single damn baseball game. Here's a truth. I always speak in truths, but let me be very clear about this. I'll watch the Pirates if I want to. They watch the Pirates because they have to, and then they have to make you think that they wanted to. I'm never going to watch if they're this bad. I'm never going to watch the pickoff throw bounce off of... Josh Bell and go in the right field and two runs score. Yesterday, the Pirates almost lost in the ninth inning when they had a three-run lead and their best pitcher on the mound. Not best reliever, best pitcher. That guy was on the mound, and he almost blew that shiz. I don't want to talk about something that's bad 162 times. I know how you feel about it. They act like they're reinventing the wheel every time they talk about Pirates baseball, and they're not because all of you feel the same way. Either rebuild or spend. Well, they're not going to spend, so how about you rebuild? And it's coming, and when it does, we'll talk about that then. But before that happens, you know what's going to happen? The Pirates, the front office, they're going to blame you for not showing up. That's what's going to happen. Well, we put a team on the field that played very well at the beginning of the season. Nobody showed up to the games. We went on a slide, and it happens in baseball. Yeah, it happens when you don't care. It happens when you're in the middle. It happens when you're not definitive in your plan. Pirates hadn't signed a free agent, and in fact didn't sign a major league free agent this offseason. The only player that they brought in of significance was Corey Dickerson, and that happened by accident. So enough about them. I'm done with them. Peace out. I'm wearing a Cleveland Indians hat today. I'm not going to talk about them. Why wasn't this guy in the lineup? Why wasn't that guy in the lineup? Spoiler alert, Meadows ain't going to be in the lineup enough. 
spoiler alert, Nick Kingham ain't going to be up enough. You're not going to get to see the players that are going to build the foundation of the Pittsburgh Pirates enough this year. That's the only reason to watch, and Clint Hurdle and staff at all are making sure that we don't have a reason to watch. Okay, now I'm really done. Not going to talk about it anymore. But Gregory Polanco's hamstring sucks, and they're still going to trot him out in right field every day? No, I have that. Okay, now I'm really done. The Capitals this year, just watching them play, had a level of motivation we haven't seen from the Pittsburgh Penguins in a while. Really haven't seen it from skilled enough hockey teams in a while. You have to be desperate and you have to be skilled. Washington had the combination of both. They had been told for so damn long that they suck. They had been told for so damn long they weren't living up to expectations. Alexander Ovechkin was the greatest hockey player to have never won one. He was becoming Dan Marino. And what did that do for Washington? I think it motivated them. In fact, I know that it motivated them. Look at the way they're celebrating. Sometimes you find out more in the aftermath than you do in the present. And the aftermath shows, my God, they needed this. Them partying as hard as they were partying makes me think they never thought they were going to achieve that. They had 120 points a couple of years ago. They fell short against Pittsburgh. Last year, one of the best teams in all of hockey. They fell short against Pittsburgh. They had to have thought, my God, it's never going to happen. We're not going to be able to do this. And it drove them to excellence. It helped create a monster within them. And as much as I love the Pittsburgh Penguins, I will always speak frankly about the Pittsburgh Penguins. The roster construction this year, very good. I don't think Derek Broussard being brought in was a bad move. In fact, I think it was a great move. And if you look at the Penguins roster on paper, it is excellent. Championship caliber. It might even, and I think is, better than Washington's roster. But Washington had something the Penguins didn't. Penguins are coming off of two championships in a row. Two. Sidney Crosby's won it two times in a row. Evgeny Malkin had won it two times in a row. Matt Murray, two times in a row. All the core pieces had seen what it's like to win. I think one of the biggest things that can be in your favor as a hockey team, as a sports team, is to get new blood. Blood in that hasn't won to mesh well with the blood that has won. In fact, when the Penguins won it in 2016, Phil Kessel had never won. Justin Schultz was on the scrap heap, much like the Washington Capitals. Connor Sherry was just a guy. He might never be good enough. Brian Rust was just a guy. Tom Kuhnhockel certainly was just a guy. Matt Cullen had been through it all, but he was hungry to win a championship. And that helped propel the Penguins, plus the skill and the talent they had, to win a championship. And in the second run, they were very much aided by luck. They were aided by guts. Ron Hainsey had never played in the playoffs before, and all of a sudden he's playing a bunch of minutes for a team that had already won the Stanley Cup. The new blood helped them. The Washington Capitals this year, nobody had won. Nobody had won a championship other than Brooks Orpik on their entire roster, and they acted like it afterwards. But they also acted like it throughout the playoffs. They're down 2-0 against Columbus, and what happens? Alexander Ovechkin says, we got this, boys. He guaranteed it. You had John Tortorella then say, oh, we're going to win this series. Eh, No, you're not. Eh, We're going to send it back to Columbus. No, you're not. Ovechkin said it, and he backed it up. Because they needed that to happen. 
And when things come down to either necessity or want to, that can separate franchises. The Penguins wanted to win the Stanley Cup this year. They wanted to make history. The Washington Capitals needed to win the Stanley Cup this year. If they had lost to Columbus in the first round, is Ovechkin going to be around? Are they thinking about blowing the whole damn thing up? You know Barry Trotz wouldn't be there. You know John Carlson wouldn't be there. What's going to happen with Nick Backstrom? Kuznetsov would have still been there, but the entire roster very well might have been gutted. They needed to win if they wanted to hang around each other any longer. They needed to win if they wanted to remain the same Washington Capitals. They wanted to win, but they needed it. And Ovechkin needed it for his legacy. Anything that Sidney Crosby does from this point on is because he's a great player. But how much can he really add to his legacy? He's already won three championships. He's one of the best players in all of hockey in terms of points per game, both in the regular season and playoffs. He's a tremendous human being, a fabulous captain. Sidney Crosby doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need anything to cement his legacy. I would like him. I want him to tally some more trophies. Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals needed to win. He needed that for his legacy. But next year, I think, changes a lot of things. Because whether or not Sidney Crosby needs this for his legacy, whether or not Evgeny Malkin needs this for his legacy, Matt Murray, Mike Sullivan, whether or not they need it for their legacy, they all want to add it to the legacy. And there's some serious motivation now for these guys, motivation that they were seriously lacking this year. And the motivation is the Washington Capitals just won the Cup. In fact, Rob Rossi joined the show earlier on in the week, and he had a little birdie of getting Malkin whisper something, I think, fairly significant in his ear. I will tell you this. I can share this now. I think I told you last time I was on with you, there was something I thought, something I know Malkin said to a veteran that I couldn't say until I got permission. So I can tell you now, uh, when they were in the handshack line, he, he did tell him, go get his, because I'll be back. When you win twice, when you lose, it doesn't quite hurt as much. Josh Yowie was on the program, and Josh said, the Penguins are disappointed. But they weren't in the locker room throwing each other off of bridges. Uh, they weren't all that upset. Yeah, you're not happy, but you win it in two straight years. The third year, okay, we'll get him next year. Then Washington wins, and you hear what Rob Rossi said, Evgeny Malkin said. It is hearsay, but I trust Rossi. That's a big motivating factor for Evgeny Malkin. That's a big motivating factor for these Pittsburgh Penguins. Malkin and Ovechkin have a competitive rivalry. I think Malkin's the better player. But history will remember Ovechkin is the better player because he's the greatest, maybe, goal scorer of all time. He'll be remembered as that guy. Malkin's got to be thinking to himself, you know what? I went a fourth. Maybe I'm that guy. Maybe I'm the greatest living Russian hockey player ever. Maybe I go down as the greatest living hockey player or non-living hockey player of all time. Adam Shine of Mad Dog Radio says that Ovechkin has now surpassed Sidney Crosby because all it took was one ring. You don't think Sidney Crosby knows that that stuff's being talked about? You don't think that Sidney Crosby knows that now the conversation that he thought he ended is now a conversation again? Sidney Crosby cares about one thing and one thing only, it's hockey. That's it. Alexander Ovechkin's swimming through a fountain He's getting hammered 
during a championship parade. There's nothing wrong with that. But Sidney Crosby at the parade last year was drinking Dasani. I don't think he's tied to any ad revenue there. He was just thirsty. And you know what? Now he's thirsty for another championship. And he would not have been as thirsty, I don't think, even though all he does is eat, breathe, and sleep hockey, if the Capitals had not won the Stanley Cup. When you win as much as the Penguins have, and you win as much as they have lately, I think you do need to find that extra motivation. That's not to say they were loafing. That's not to say they weren't playing hard this last year in the playoffs. They absolutely were. But deep inside of all of us, there's a fire. And that fire burns brightest when people are telling us we can't do it. When Stan Saverin tells me, Crowley, you're not going to be a part of my radio station. You know what I want to do? I want to go out and have a great damn radio show. That's what I want to do. And that's what I'm presently doing right now. When the world tells the Capitals they can't win a championship, they need it. They need to win one. To change the narrative. And they did. Well, these Penguins, it's not like Washington is going to take away from their legacy. But some of the conversations are starting up again that are going to perturb Sidney Crosby and are going to make Evgeny Malkin a little crazy. And I think that bodes well for the Penguins next year. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I was looking at the NHL free agents over the last couple of days. And John Carlson's going to make just buku bucks. It's going to be insane. He's a great player. He led all defensemen in scoring this year. But he's going to make around $8 million, perhaps, this season. $8 million! John Tavares very well could make $10 million on the open market. Somebody's going to pay him that, whether it's Montreal, whether it's San Jose. It doesn't matter. Somebody's going to pay him that kind of money. The Penguins don't have a lot of salary cap space. But they've been able to build two championship teams, and this hurts now to say, in the last three years because not only are Sidney Crosby and Vinnie Malkin great players, but if Gideon Malkin's making $9.5 million this year, Sidney Crosby, 8.7. Think about where they stand amongst all the players in the National Hockey League. McDavid, 12.5. 10.5 for Kane. 10.5 for Tate. 10 for Kopitar. 10 for Jack Eichel. Gross. Malkin makes as much as Jamie Benn. Good player, but my God. Crosby makes roughly as much as Leon Dreisaitl. Good player, but my God. Crosby makes as much as Corey Perry. My God. So the Penguins, they're stars. They play well. They play like stars. But they're paid like the tier below. And that's why if the motivation hits and they are able to get it done next year, it'll be because of them, not just in what they do on the ice, but what they are willing to not have to make off the ice. There's so much to get to today. Antonio Brown's feeling the effects of celebrity. Be careful what you wish for. We'll get to that. Mark Caboli at 520. We got to tell you at 440 who we're rooting for in the World Cup. We revealed it on social media at underscore Adam Crowley. Steelers don't know about a free safety. Who the hell's playing free safety? We'll get to all that and nonsense like Pittsburgh athletes in starring movie roles. We'll do that around 5 o'clock. But coming up next, Chris Adamski. We'll talk to him about all of it. Crowley Show. You'll use every club in your bag on the meticulously maintained Seven Springs and Hidden Valley Golf Courses. The unbeatable golf getaway starts at $114. 
This is your ticket to play two picturesque mountaintop golf courses for one fantastic price. Breakfast, resort dining credit, and one night of lodging at Seven Springs are also included. For more information, visit the number sevensprings.com. Seven Springs, your headquarters for outdoor fun. Adamski told me to text him when we got close yeah. to tell him that he's doing it. I didn't do that, so we might ha- not have a damn Oh, boy. Yeah. You should, uh... I'm going to text him right now. Hey, <laughs> douche face. Add another to the unlikable list of Pittsburgh Steelers. Aditi Kinkwala of the NFL Network just tweeted this out. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin with a moment of complete honesty when asked about his team's need to work on tackling more. Quote, those are just cliches that we throw around because we have to do interviews, end quote. You do have to do interviews. It doesn't mean you don't have to be honest. And honestly, the Steelers need to work on their freaking tackling! That being said, there are only so many opportunities you have to work on tackling in today's NFL. Training camp, as Keith Butler said the other day, is going to focus on the Steelers tackling more because they were so putrid at it this year. But things like that, they turn me off of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They absolutely do. Antonio Brown blames the media. Now Mike Tomlin's blaming the media for the quotes that are coming out from his coaching staff and from his players. Players and coaches alike say, we need to work on tackling more, and Mike Tomlin says, well, it's only because the media is asking the questions. It's only because we have to do these interviews. Let me make this very clear. If the media wasn't there, if people didn't care, you're just a bunch of grown men tackling each other. Uh, You look like idiots, although I guess in the case of the Steelers, it's just a bunch of grown men not tackling each other. We'll get back to that later on. We've got the great unsponsored football segment at 540, Mark Caboli at 520. Right now, though, Chris Adamski from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Adamski, hello. Hi, Adam. How are you? Well, I was okay, and now I'm irritated. I've been been sucked into the Steelers' anger wormhole here. I, I understand. I just, uh, I mean, you, you've been at training camp for several camps now, I and mean, I've covered the Steelers for several years. I mean, that that's, uh, I, I understand your angst, and I, I agree, but I, you know, this ain't your first rodeo with Mike Tomlin's uh, media interactions, uh, so um, I'm just surprised you're, you're taking this so hard. It's Thursday, June 14th, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yes. I will be angered by what I want to be angered by, and I don't feign anger either. I'm not I'm not one of those radio hosts. If something irritates me, I say it irritates me. So I, like Mike Tomlin, am being honest here. I'm going to ask you a question completely out of left field, though, first. A Russian politician told Russian women not to sleep with foreigners for the World Cup. you agree or disagree with that sentiment? Oh, my. Um... Well, I mean, are the foreigners, are we talking foreign journalists? Because, I mean, I would advise anybody, any woman not to sleep with a foreign sports writer, any sports writer, actually, foreign or domestic. So, or are we talking more of the fan? I'll leave it at that, actually. Well, okay, so now we'll go back to your previous answer. Is, it, is this your first rodeo, Crowley? Is this your first rodeo at Amsky? Women ain't sleeping with sports writers. Be real now. <laughs> I, I, I was I was hoping you wouldn't public, divulge that publicly as a sports writer myself. Although I am married, so I guess I don't have to worry about that. 
Well, it's not like the olden days where there were betting ceremonies, so we don't know what went down with you and your wife. Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. Let's a betting ceremony. Yeah. I just wanted to reiterate that call. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a Game of Thrones thing, too. I'm on a big Game of Thrones kick right now. Is that okay with you? I got you. Yeah. yeah. You watch Game of Thrones? Um, not, no. Oh, I'll, I'll say no. I mean, I, I do I some, but certainly not enough to have any sort of informed discussion about it. Okay. Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. What would you think about the end of Season 1 of Game of Thrones when the head got cut off of Ned Stark? <laughs> Bring me on for my expert expertise. Expert expertise. That's great. Well, um, so I just I do think it's odd that you're coming on here and you're saying that you're not an expert in Game of Thrones and... Well, I'm going to ask you questions about that anyhow. I mean, if I'm going to ask you questions about sports, none of us are experts in sports either, so I just I feel like it's appropriate. Good point. Uh, well, I'll refer you to other people who are more experts or non-experts on Game of Thrones. Uh, Tom, get George R.R. R. Martin on the phone if you can. Uh, during <laughs> during this segment, get him on the phone. We're going to get him on the line with Adamski. Uh, Chris, I was saying in the last segment that the Penguins, they tried this year, obviously. I'm not going to say that they didn't put forth an effort, but I think Washington absolutely wanted it more. I think when you're told you can't do something a bunch, like when my mom tells me I can't have a cookie, I'm going to want the cookie even more. They're going to want to win the Stanley Cup even more. I think that the Capitals winning the Cup this year can be motivation that the Penguins can bounce off of for next year. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like to play too much into that, but I... Oh, I, for the love of God. It, you, you, well, even if it's incremental and marginal, I, you're right. That, that I think that the uh, listen, I think I talked to you about it last week or one of these weeks, that, that the, the difference between the Penguins and Capitals three years in a row in the playoffs was, was razor thin. And the Penguins won the first two, and I'm not taking it away from them from winning those two. But, they, you know, a bounce here or there, uh, you know, they went to overtime in game six the first year. Um, the second year went to game seven, a scoreless game midway through game seven. So to, so to act as if, uh, you know, th- there was this wide chasm, the Penguins were that much better. The first, and this year, the Penguins had a, you know, had a lead in, in game five up, could go up to three, two and go home to, to win it. Um, you know, a bounce here and there. So if, if the difference between the two teams is that small, I am willing to concede that yes, perhaps some sort of, you know, uh, motivating factor or perhaps even that, that long-held fatigue thing that was talked about all year long with the Penguins, although it wasn't talked about the first year when it could be theoretically just tired, um, that actually maybe would have played enough of a role that perhaps that that would tip the balance of a team that, you know, if they played you know, 100 series and one would win 51 and one win 49, maybe that, you know, was enough to tilt the other way to the 49 team or vice versa. Have you heard of Rob Rossi before? familiar with Mr. Rossi, yes. Okay, well then maybe this will sway your opinion even more into my camp. I will tell you this. I can share this now. I think I told you last time I was on with you, there was something I thought, something I know Malkin said to a veteran that I couldn't say until I got permission. So I can tell you now, uh, when they were in the handshack line, he, he did tell him go get his because I'll be back. He'll be back, man. Buy into that. How can you refute that kind of hearsay, my friend? <laughs> well, when you got... Hey, and on the opening of the World Cup, we're talking about Russian women and, and sleeping with men, and we got two Russians there, probably speaking in Russian, although presumably not about sleeping with women in Russia. Did you know that Putin scored five goals today? <laughs> Did he? Was it, was it like an all-star challenge of some sort, that, that hockey? I assume you're referring to that. Oh, no, it was World Cup. He was out there. Oh, he was out there? Yeah, he was out I mean, there. He, he's, 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 a, he's a mythical figure. 
Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Adamski, I know you've been poking around at OTAs and minicamp. A little worrisome that the Steelers don't seem to know who their starting free safety is going to be, no? Well, I, I mean, the, the company line will be. Do you want me to give you a condescending answer like Mike Tomlin would? Is that what the, the you know? The, All right. Well, okay. Let's okay. Let's play this game. Give me the Mike Tomlin answer, then give me the Chris Adamski answer. Oh, Adam, I'm not going to do a voice. That's going too far. But well, Adam, it's football and sports right now. This is not the time for us to be discussing depth chart things like that. We're all here trying to get work, trying to get better collectively. And when we get to Latrobe, those things will stand to work themselves out. And we'll, we won't concern ourselves with who's going to be first team or second team or third team or whatever team until we get to opening day of the season, September 9th. Uh, a lack of obviously is there, and well, I, okay, I wasn't doing impersonation. I was oh. giving you the stock answer. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't impersonate. I'm, I'm no. I'm no Ryan Scarpino. You should have him on someday. Actually, that would be that would be fascinating radio. I think to have. Not, not to plug or tell you what to do with Well, I was, I was about to say, Chris Adamski can't pretend to be Mike Tomlin, but he can pretend to be producer Tom. I don't know if I like that, but what would Chris Adamski say about the Steelers and their free safety position? Well, I mean, Morgan Burnett missed, missed some time, you know, with minor injury, things like that. I, I, they don't, just talking, to, I think I've talked to every safety on the roster, including Malik Golden, because I'm a Penn State homer, of course, and I talked to the Penn State guy. That's true. At the bottom of the depth chart. Um, but and they don't, you know, they're not doing game plan type stuff right now. So they're they're going to do this thing where there's, they say the the three and the strong aren't that different. And it has, in terms of you know, 25 years ago, it's that's true. They're not that different. I don't think they're completely interchangeable though. You're not going to tell me that they're the, they're the same thing, the same skill set. But uh, you know, they have the same responsibilities, I should say. But I think that generally the same skill sets will go. Do you have a lot to shake out here? I mean, what if you know, Trell Edmonds shows you that he can play immediately, you have to get him on the field, uh, you know, that could affect how your, your chess pieces sort of move. And, and, and if you want to, if you think you're able to put, you know, have you dime a lot more or, or somehow go into, a, you know, a, a big nickel type of thing, I, I think a lot of this kind of shake itself out. So for us to sit here and, you know, rigidly talk about the 11 starting spots on the defense, I mean, you know that that's not necessarily how there's so much – not to again fall into a Mike Tomlin cliche. A lot of sub-package football out there that that will you know determine who's on the field at a certain time. So to worry about who at the top of this depth chart at a specific position that is still I believe you know I listen they have a better idea than on to, to us to me, but I still think they're they're kind of they need to see who they have. I mean you got, you got a couple of rookies and a new guy joined the second. You're really re- revamping your safety spot. I, I think they still want to see who they have until they start you know plugging and playing the, the way they want. to. Adamski, you are not Rob Rossi, but yet you swayed me there. You got me. Uh, you got me. All right, that's fair. I'm not going to freak out about it as much as I was going to freak out about it at 540. I'll find something else to freak out about at that time. Perhaps Mike Tomlin not giving us anything in the media. Adamski is joining us here from the Trib on the Crowley Show. I did want to talk a little bit about Antonio Brown and whatever the hell that was the other day. And now that I've had time to reflect, now that I've had time to think about what he was trying to say what i can say definitively i think is definitively i think is that antonio brown is starting to feel the effects of celebrity he wants to be the guy he wants to be loved he wants to be somebody that you walk up to on the street and you say oh i love antonio brown he wants to get all the twitter followers and the likes and the instagram posts but he doesn't want to get the negative that comes along with celebrity it's a lot of the uh be careful what you wish for, kind of thinking. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he literally, 
he literally pays somebody to follow him around and broadcast his life to the world. I mean, let's face it. He pays somebody to be in his social media, uh, you know, uh, 365 days a year, no, but uh, certainly uh, all his public appearances and a lot of his non-public appearances. Uh, there, there, there are people, as part of his uh, entourage, for lack of a way of putting it, with him, is somebody who documents everything for him to put it out into public. Uh, now, there are plenty of advantages to that, as a, uh, and most of or many of them have to do with earning potential and creating a hashtag brand and all that, and he's reaping the benefits of that. Um, and, you know, he has people talk, and hey, who doesn't want to make more money? And who, you know, and if you have him, and if you're him and you have a short window in terms of money making ability for your A job, but if he puts himself out there enough, uh, you know, he could have a, some sort of career after that because he's out there, you know, how many commercials does he do? He, he's becoming more and more increasingly a household name. Uh, you know, I don't say around the country. I don't know if, you know, you know, Aunt Mildred in Des Moines, Iowa knows who Antonio Brown is, but he's in a, you know, he's creating something for himself. So it's, I, I think that there's a, there's a lot going on there with Antonio Brown, you know, and from what we all get to know of him to varying degrees in the media and, you know, that's only scratching the surface. But you're right. I think there is some sort of internal conflict where he, and he's on board with it. You know, he wants to do all, he wants to spread himself out and do other things outside of football, and, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Good for him. Um, but you're right, there's probably some unintended consequences to that, and uh, and that may be part of his sort of what the internal conflict going on right now. Last thing here for you, Adamski, and I just need yes or no here, okay? You you understand <laughs> the rules? Do you get it? Oh, boy. Okay. These are always tough for me. Uh, brevity's never been my strong suit, Adam, so uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Well, you're one of the funnier people I follow on Twitter. You can do brevity, wow. Adamski. Just work at it, okay? Okay. Well, okay. thank you for the compliment. Does the social media guy who follows Antonio Brown around make more than I do? <laughs> yes. Get the hell out of here. Thank you for your time, Adamski. Peace out, buddy. <laughs> Bye, Adam. I appreciate it, as always. I mean, he's not wrong. I just didn't want to hear it. It's been in my whole life thinking that I'm doing good for myself, and then some mother bleeper who follows Antonio Brown around, cooks his dinner, and does his social media gets paid like $100,000 a year. He's like got a degree in Twitter. Right. Yeah. How about Tom today? We're filming the cheese tease. He goes, I have a journalism degree from he did. He Duquesne University. <laughs> he did. And we drew a flag on his chest. I love that. Right after that, as soon as he claims, like, yeah, I'm a, I got a journalistic degree for or a journalist degree from Duquesne, and yeah, I, I should know what I'm talking about. We were drawing on him seconds later. <laughs> like, the degree earned him shirtless uh, position with the station and ink all over him. If you want to change the world by being a journalist, great. We have a lot more fun than that. We do. Although, maybe not Tom. I'm sorry, shirtless Tom. Coming up next, we'll tell you what flag was drawn on Tom. It is the team that we're rooting for now in the 2018 World Cup. And I'm going to yell about the U.S. Open. It's the Crowley Show. It's the Crowley Show. Hello. Good to see you, Snowflakes. Brian LaMartina across from me. Tom Offerman, shirtless Tom, across the way behind the glass. And we've got Jerome, the interns here. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Make sure not to fumble, Jerome. Nailed it. Don't listen to anything Tom says, Jerome. Oh, for the love of God, do not. You will learn nothing from Tom. Tom can't play sound bites. You will, le- you will learn how to strip your uh, shirt off for uh, social media. He does let us write on him, yeah, which is important. That's pretty much why I love him. Yes. Had me and let me write on you. I mean, he let us feed him wasabi. Yeah. He threw up on the air. Yep. We got to throw water on him. We do all kinds of stuff to poor Tom. Tom, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we did so much messed yeah. up stuff to you. It sounds a lot like hazing, but it's really just love. No, we're like all having fun. It's like... Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, and most of the time he volunteers. It's his idea a lot of times. It is. It's not like we're making him. No. Anyway. I mean, in fact, Crowley's the only one on some of our social media videos who um, actually says, no, I'm not doing Okay, it. now wait a second here. That's a uh, great point. Wait a That's second a really here. Point. I've noticed an increase in the no, I'm not doing that. It might be. Too. Might be. Maybe. All right, well, here's the deal. Two the other, things. The other day, you didn't want to do a cheese tease. Two things. I'll give you a guess at number one. You probably have a guess at number one. Tom, what's number one? I don't have a guess at number one. Okay, number one, it's my name on the show. And... Oh. oh. And no- I should have known that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah, number two goes along with number one, and that's that I'm a major medium market star. Oh, yeah, you can't put you into harm's way. Mm-mm. Hey, Tom Cruise does his own stunts, dude. He's not a major medium market star? <laughs> that's yeah, but he's not, not afraid to get hurt, because whenever he dies, he'll pass on to some overlord Tom Cruise afterworld. is afraid to get hurt. No, he, he he believes in the whatever the hell afterlife no, the Scientologists he, believe he's in. He's the chosen one. He needs to stick around and get people clear. That's what, he, that's what he's here for. He can't die. There's millions of people. All right, damn it. Well, fine. Tom Cruise is a braver man than I. Yeah. My point was going to be. You're taller, though. Am I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a really short guy. Is he a short guy, Very Tom Cruise? Short. How short's Tom Cruise? He's like five foot six, five foot seven. Really? Say. Yes. Let's see. Tiny Pecker, I bet that guy has. Oh, yeah. The wee no, Pecker. That, yeah. That's so small. Yeah, small penis for Tom Cruise. We drew on Tom today a flag of the nation that we are going to support in the 2018 World Cup. And let me do the numbered list thing again. Number one, uh, this team doesn't play for now, it feels like, a month and a half. They'll play again on Monday, or for the first time in the World Cup on Monday. And number two, it's Bill! Yeah. Yeah. I'm psyched to go Belgium. Me too, man. Home of the waffle. Yeah. We're going to bring in some some uh, culturally appropriate stuff to enjoy during the World Cup. Like today, we have what? What kind of beer do we have? Hogarden. Yeah. That's Belgian. It is. Yeah. I had seven of them. We're going to have waffles. You know what they like? I'm looking up through, I'm looking through foods, like things we can eat, like as this goes on. Yeah. They claim to have invented the French fry. That would be the French. That, well, let me put it this way. It would be the fried potato stick. They claim to have invented that. It's a Belgian thing. And then apparently it came to America and we labeled French on it because we couldn't tell the difference between French and Belgium. Well, and that's how it happened. And they eat it with mayonnaise. That's not the worst thing. No, that's a bad thing. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. That is bad. You don't eat fries with in Belgium, they speak three languages. Yeah, one of them being French. One of them's French, so I, I can see why that happened. Now, I'm a guy who's been woke to the potato cause. Like, I grew up in a world where French fries are big time. Mm-hmm. We all did. Yeah. I feel like it's not that big of an accomplishment to have figured out to fry those puppies. Like, they're damn good that way. Like, that had to have been discovered a long-ass time ago. 
Well, I mean, it's it's all ingenuity, you know? I mean, it, anybody could have slapped uh, sauce and cheese on some dough and called it pizza, but it's the first that did it that matters. And that was the Germans. <laughs> the, the Belgians. Uh, it's true. The Belgians did it with not pizza, but it's French fries. See, all I know about the Belgians is wheat beer and waffles. And that's okay. They also have very tall men. I think it's like the second tallest men in the world. Is that a fact? Yeah, I would wow. believe it is. That's very interesting. Tom yeah. Cruise would never make it. No, there. he wouldn't. I can't stand when I hear the take, who cares the World Cup's coming around? I'm not going to watch it. It's soccer. Soccer's boring. One goal here, shut out here. It's not fun. It's not entertaining. It sucks. Soccer sucks. It's never going to be big in the United States. My take on all this kind of stuff is more bowl games, give them to me. Give me more of everything. Give me more entertainment. Olympics? They got two of them? Make a fall Olympics. Give me a spring Olympics. I want more sports. And in fact, the World Cup, to me, is one of my favorite events that I watch every four years. It's got great stakes, obviously. Every single goal is counted on by the country. Every single goal is celebrated in mass by an entire country. Uh, for the little guys, if you score a goal, if you find a way to even pull a draw with a big-time team, country goes berserk. How can you not love that theater, especially if you call yourself a sports fan? I was listening to that station across the street as I drove in yesterday, and I heard, Ugh, really? You're going li- to watch the World Cup? Come on! Yeah! What else would I have done today at 11 o'clock? Nothing! As a 5 nothing route, but it was interesting for a while. You had to see Vladimir Putin. It puts away the idea that, hey, you did, they never scored any goals in soccer. No goals. There, there you five go. Of them five of them right there. Suck on that. Yeah. Tom, what do you think about the World Cup? You know, I was going into this World Cup ready to hate on it, to openly be like, oh, this is stupid because America's not in it. But I just naturally became excited as it yes. got closer and closer. And now that we're rooting for Belgium, I'm pumped. I'm more pumped to root for Belgium than I ever have been to root for America in the past. See, the, the thing that gets me about all of this is that with when it comes to soccer, people will get pumped every four years for the Olympics over sports that they really do not even know how they work. I mean, curling, things like that, they don't know, but they get pumped out. But soccer has this stigma to it. It's this thing where you either love soccer or you hate soccer. And it's kind of like a political argument, you know. There is no right or wrong, really. It's just a bunch of people arguing the same talking points over and over again. Oh, nobody scores. Oh, you can't end in a tie. Oh, it's no fun. Game's too slow. It's hard to watch. All those things over and over. So people have this preconceived notion where if they just take it away for a second... They wouldn't rob themselves of such an awesome sporting event where they could get behind it, get into it. You don't need to love soccer to get behind this. This is a bunch of countries in the world going at it for dominance. This is what sport is. I think the United States has a weird... They've got a weird way that they consume sports and enjoy sports. Like the NBA to me, I like the NBA, but... NBA fans don't necessarily worry about the score being close. In fact, we saw a lot in these playoffs that the score wasn't close, particularly in the conference finals in the Western Conference, and yet the ratings were huge. People fell in love with it. And hockey, I thought, was far more entertaining throughout the playoffs. There were some duds here and there, as there are always going to be. But 
the stakes are higher when the game's closer and everything means more at the end, I think. But I don't think the United States as a whole feels the same way about that. Soccer falls into the hockey category where it's low scoring. If you don't know what you're watching, I suppose it's hard to appreciate. But to me, that's odd. It's odd that you're okay with this sport, the NBA, this league, the NBA, where you already kind of have a preconceived notion of who's going to win at the beginning. And in soccer and in hockey, you don't. And I don't know why we can't wrap our arms around it. I really don't. See, I think Americans, like, honestly go to a game for the the feeling of the celebration, for the feeling of saying, hey, you know, oh, we get to cheer. Here's another goal. Wasn't that yeah. great? Wasn't that blah? Where a lot of European uh, fans, especially in football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, they're into it. They're invested in it. It's an entire town that is shut down for a day when their team goes to play. It'd be the equivalent of shutting down Pittsburgh like nothing's open because everybody's walking to the Steelers game. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's that kind of like. I and they're they, smaller. They're smaller towns to a premiership. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and the thing is, I think Americans are looking for the hot fix. They want to have the good time at the game and they want to cheer and they want to be like, see that goal. And and sometimes it loses the minutia of a sport, you know, and especially when it comes to football, something like that. Most Americans are watching the quarterback in the ball. That's it. They're missing 95 percent of the Absolutely. game just because they want the little bit of the exciting part that's happening or what they deem to be exciting. You know, but when it comes to soccer in Europe, they appreciate the game. They live and breathe it. I mean, it's all they look forward to. Golf's going to do huge numbers this weekend. Yeah, you can watch golf. You can't watch soccer. Baseball, we need to fix it. It's too long. Soccer takes two hours to play. Uh, 45-minute halves, they're going to happen in 45 minutes. A little extra time here and there. It goes quick. It might be a slower game, but it happens at a rapid pace. To me, I don't understand hating on something that is so accepted in the rest of the world. It's kind of like the metric system. Yeah. And and frankly, we should adopt the metric system. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier. Like, so much easier. Then. It's just multiples of tens. Do you have any idea how much bigger it seems when you measure in the metric system? Yeah, I'd be like sounding a lot better. I'm telling you what. <laughs> Tom Cruise wouldn't, though. i go from 4 to 12. Coming up next, I'm addicted to stakes and drama, kind of bouncing off this. The U.S. Open to me right now is great, and it's, to me, the best tournament that the PGA Tour puts out there. Also, if Pittsburgh athletes were characters in movies, what movies would they be? What would the trailers be? It's the Crowley Show.